When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zantz. Not actually joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. He's enjoying some, you know, much-needed family time during this Christmas break. And, you know, he definitely deserves that. And I know it's been a couple of days since we last spoke to you guys, but I do want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year as the show will be on your feed either on the, uh, December 29th or December 30th. So definitely want to send those great wishes to everybody. Ah, so yeah, this is just Steven Zance going solo. First time doing this on the feed, so I'm super excited to get it out here. Um, I just wanted to do 20 to 30 minutes on, you know, everything that's going on with the Jets between Zach Wilson, obviously the return of Mike White, even the rumors of Derek Carr, who's been benched by the Raiders for the final two games of the season, which means that they're probably going to move off of him. And then we'll kick, we'll wrap it with a preview of Jets Seahawks. So Steven and I never did a Jaguars recap game. I was traveling and he was, you know, busy as well. And obviously it was one of the most disappointing losses we've seen in quite some time, at least in a meaningful spot for the Jets. It just was really the the end of Zach Wilson's time here in New York. I don't want to be overly critical of him because I feel like since this game happened, you know, a week ago from today, he's been ripped enough. And I, I know we've been critical of him on the show. We've also supported him really since the time he got here. And then when the benching happened initially after the second Pats game, that was really when the tides turned. But I do want to say a couple of things about it. I mean, listen, you get drafted here. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what pick overall you are, but especially being a first rounder, especially being a quarterback, it's not easy whether you're drafted by the Jets, you're drafted by the Giants, you're drafted by really any New York team the expectations are higher here than they are in other cities. Is that necessarily fair to Zach Wilson? No, it's not. But that's what comes with the territory. Just ask Aaron Judge, who was booed by Yankee fans, even though he had a historic season, you know, in the playoffs because he wasn't hitting. So I understand the boos on that Thursday night game. He was dreadful. It's, you know, anyone with two eyes could tell you the same thing. But at the end of the day, he's not performing. Does that mean that he can't be successful elsewhere? Not necessarily. I think... You know, he probably should would have benefited from sitting for a few years, maybe at least a year versus going right away, which I do blame on the Jets because they didn't bring in any viable competition his rookie season. All they had was Mike White, and then they eventually traded for Joe Flacco once Zach got hurt. Uh, I think, you know, it's just they didn't handle that aspect of it correctly, but I see a lot of people saying, and it's mostly people I think who are BYU fans and people who like Zach, who defend him, that it's the coaching staff, which is why he's failed, or it's the surrounding talent, which to me is insane. I I don't know how you could say that. You look at what other quarterbacks on the Jets have done since Mike LaFleur and his offensive staff got here, you know, in 2021. Josh Johnson's had 300-yard game. Mike White has, Joe Flacco. Stradler didn't have a 300-yard game, but he looked productive. And the moment that they pulled Zach Wilson on that Thursday night game against Jacksonville, the offense had a spark, and they were able to actually move the ball down the field. Yes, Stradler can't really throw, and it's evident when he had that long play to C.J. Uzama. If any other quarterback was, like, if 
average arm strength makes that throw. It's probably a touchdown. And then the Jets are right back in the game. But Shreveler doesn't have that. And he was really in there to you know, light a spark in the run game because that's something he can do. He's essentially tattooed Taysom Hill, for lack of a better phrase. But Zach is just, he's lost. And I, listen, I feel bad for him at a human level. I think as a fan, you want results. And I know there was all this stuff with Zach's mom saying Jeff fans are toxic and whatnot. I mean, I don't agree with that. Jeff fans are definitely rough, but you go to Philly, they're just as rough, if not rougher. You go to New England, they're rough. You go really any major sports town, they're going to be rough on the quarterback and all the star players. That's what it comes with. That's why fan is short for fanatic. The people who are crazy about the team who are going to be overly critical when they're not seeing the results that they want. And for people who are inside the stadium, if they're booing, they're paying customers. Even Zach agreed that they should boo if I'm not producing. And he was actually handling it pretty well, I would think, considering some of the stuff he said earlier this season. And I think after the Jaguar game, he actually did a pretty good job with that. And I know he handled it better than I probably would have after a game like that. So whatever it may be, Jay Glazer had that report saying that the Jets are going to move off of Zach in the offseason. When that is, I don't know. I mean, it could be a package for another quarterback that they may acquire via trade, a la Derek Carr, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, They could cut him outright. They could send him to a team that maybe had a high grade on him. Maybe a team like Tampa Bay, because you don't really know what's going on with Tom Brady. And maybe they see him as a developmental piece. And within with Brian Byron Leftwich, maybe they can get some more out of him. I don't know what it is, but I think the New York market was too big for him being a kid from Utah, not playing in a major conference that had national attention. And I think that stuff caught up to him. And, you know, I hope, you know, wherever, wherever he goes, whatever happens that, you know, it all works out for him. And, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, pile on the guy. He didn't, he didn't work and that's fine. It happens in the draft. Plenty of guys, when you look at the first round quarterback history, don't pan out. And it's not necessarily their fault. Sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes they're just not good enough. I mean, Paxton Lynch, I think, was drafted by the Broncos in 2016. He was on the team for one year, and then they cut him, cut him right loose. So it's it stings because there was a lot of hope and optimism when the Jets, you know, selected Zach. I mean, you know, you can go back to Brady Man making that tackle against the Rams, which made us not get Trevor Lawrence, who obviously had a great game against the Jets on Thursday night and showed every bit why he's the number one pick. In that class, and probably the best quarterback in that class, you know, right now and long term. So it does sting a little bit, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all hope is lost with the Jets because there's been so much growth with this team, you know, since the moment Salah got here. And when you look at 21 compared to 2022, you can't help but be optimistic about what the future holds. Quarterback is remains a huge question mark. Totally understand. But at the end of the day, the Jets have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. And if you can get someone who's average or maybe slightly above average, who knows where this can go? Could it be Mike White, who we're going to talk about in a little bit about returning from injury? Maybe he plays his way to the job. I don't know. But before we get to Mike White, I want to talk about Derek Carr because there's been a big discourse of, you know, his potential availability and, you know, fit with the Jets. I've seen mixed opinions, you know, people liking him, people not liking him. I guess it's tomato tomato at this point. Um, I think anyone who's not liking him, I I don't necessarily see it. I get that he's had a bad season with the Raiders, but I think a lot of its surroundings, you know, he's had a very incompetent owner, Mark Davis, who has not made the right hires since the moment he got there. Despite the fact that Carr's been very productive. Um, I think especially this year with Josh McDaniels, who's proven as his second go around as a head coach, that he's not a good head coach. 
they blew, I think, a record five fourth quarter leads, which is insane, or double digit fourth quarter leads. I could, I need to spot check that, but it hasn't been good. His defense hasn't been good. Um, his offensive line hasn't been good. And yeah, it sounds like I'm piling excuses for the guy, but when you look back on it, Derek Carr's a good quarterback. Is he, you know, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen? No, he's not. I liken him more like a, you know, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, maybe like a nudge higher than Jimmy Garoppolo, especially because he's been durable. He's only missed three games in his career due to injury. And he's missing the next two games of the, I mean, the last two games of the season because they're benching him. So they don't owe him any money in case he got hurt. So durability is a huge thing. When you think about what the Jets quarterback situation's been, you know, dating back to Mark Sanchez. I mean, they haven't really had a guy start all every single game in a season. I, I have to look. I think technically Fitz was the last guy to do it. But when you think about it, he did get hurt in that Raider game and Gino came in in 2015. So that's the closest we've had. And then I think before that, it probably was Gino who we're going to see this week in 2013. I know he got benched one game, I think for Matt Sims, Phil Sims, I mean, uh, Phil Sims' son, Chris Sims' younger brother, when they were getting blown out. But Gino did start every game that season. So you know, we need stability and we need durability. So that's another thing to think about as a potential option, which makes, you know, Mike White a question mark. Carr would, to me, be a safe option. I think, you know, he's still pretty young. He'll be 32 when the season kicks off next year, which is, you know, a lot younger than someone like Aaron Rodgers, even Tom Brady, who's been linked to the Jets. So I I understand the appeal to those guys. I mean, to me, Rodgers should be the first choice. And there's, you know, factors that come into play with that. A, he maybe doesn't want to be traded. B, he may not want to play for the Jets. And I think he would hold that leverage. So he's no guarantee. Tom Brady, to me, not a fit here. I know he's the greatest ever. I know he still can play, but he's too immobile. He's 46 years old. I, I just feel like getting a 46-year-old quarterback one that tormented the Jets for so many years is such a bad idea because I just see with this offensive line as constructed, Brady's not going to make it on this team. So I would throw cold water on that. I know a lot of people, my mentions on Twitter have been suggesting it. I I can't get behind it. It's not even just because it would feel, you know, dirty to be rooting for Tom Brady as a Jet, but it just to me is not a logical thing to do at this point. He's probably going to retire and make $37 million a year, whatever it may be working at Fox. That's what you should do. If, if I was saying, why do you keep getting hit? You got a million rings. It doesn't even matter at this point. So that's, that's my two, two cents on it. I think Carr would be a great option. Who knows what the compensation would be to me, maybe like a third rounder, maybe he gets cut out, right? And the Jets could sign him to whatever contract they want. I understand right now he makes $40 million a year. I don't think he'd be making that on the Jets. I'm sure if they trade for him, it'll be a full restructure. Number one, to make a lower base salary. Number two, to you know prolong the deal. So maybe they get him under contract for three or four years. Um, so don't think about that $40 million as something that would deter you from wanting him on the team. I think he'd be a good option. You look at the data. Since he got into the league in 2014, the Raiders basically ranked 30th or worse in every defensive category. So yes, he has only been to the playoffs twice. But his surrounding cast has not been very good, whether it be players, coaching, front office. It's all been pretty bad. The one guy who actually probably should have stuck around was Bisaccio, who was the interim head coach who took him to the playoffs last year. But, you know, I'm not the guy who makes those decisions, but that's what I would have done. So Derek Carr, to me, is a good idea. If you don't think so, it's a conversation another day, but I wanted to give my two cents on that. So we're going to move into the return of Mike White, Miguel Blanco, whatever you want to call him. A Christmas miracle happened. 
you know, we got all the help we could possibly get with the exception of the Chargers losing on Monday night um, over the Christmas weekend. You know, the Patriots lost, the Dolphins lost. Um, I, I think those are the main two, but a couple other teams lost. But everything that we needed to happen to really give the Jets a good chance to make the playoffs happen. In addition to that, after, you know, that Christmas day, we get the Christmas miracle on the 26th of Mike White being cleared by who knows which doctor. I've seen the jokes about LDT being the doctor who cleared him, but Mike White's ready to go. He's going to be, you know, suited up for Seattle and Zach's going to be inactive. Um, it's awesome. I mean, I, I know the results didn't necessarily equate to all wins when White was out there for three starts this year. He went one and two, but it doesn't, to me, like, don't let that fool you. He played really well, especially in the Buffalo-Minnesota games. He was just tough as nails. He was getting hit in that weather. And he, you know, was making throws that we were not seeing from, you know, Flacco or Zach this year. So it's it's just something about him that invigorates this team. Like, you see the energy in the offense. Like, the running game is better when he's playing. And he's not even like this mobile quarterback that really allows the offensive line to play better. But for some strange reason, they play better when he's under center. Maybe they like playing for him more. I don't know, and I can't speak on their behalf. But at the same time, there's just something about Mike White. And, you know, as long as he's playing, this t- this offense is going to move. He's going to be able to get the ball up through the air. I mean, I think he's had 300 yards in every start this season. I think one of them he was under, but the other two he definitely was over, and he was close to 400 in one of the games. So I wouldn't worry about that, especially with the matchup that they have this week against Seattle, who has a pretty weak defense and secondary overall. I know there's plenty of discourse about Tariq Woolen versus Sauce, which we could talk about later as well. But Mike White should be able to move the ball, and I think Garrett Wilson's going to have a big day. It's going to be fun to see him you know, match it up with Tariq Woolen. It's going to be fun to see, you know, Elijah in the slot. I think there's a lot of, you know, matchups where the Jets, you know, do match up well. I think even though their offensive line is banged up, the defensive line they're going up against is not that great. So they should be able to run the ball. And I've seen other teams against the Seattle defense move the ball effectively. Specifically, uh, Carolina ran all over them. And I think, you know, with that said, why can't the Jets just, finally win a ball game. They've lost four in a row since that, you know, magic game in the, in the rain against the bears. I know it was Trevor Simeon. I know it was the bears, but they won 31, 10. It's not like they won 31, 27. So a couple tough losses. I mean, the Jaguar game is like really the, the clunker game that you really want to erase from your memory. Every team has that game every year. So I know it was like sky is falling season's over. We're, we're hopeless. Who knows what's going to happen, but every single team has that. I feel like Tampa Bay's had a bunch of those. I feel like, you know, Kansas City had that game against the Colts. Every team has that one game that you always question and you always be like, we could have gotten that one. We let that one get away. Bills and Vikings, those are two double-digit win teams. They they lost by one possession. They had chances to win both those games. Unfortunately, it didn't work out in their favor. And that's that. But the Detroit game was the one that was super frustrating because, you know, we've talked about this a couple episodes ago. It's just... They blew an opportunity with that punt uh, block. I mean, the punt return and obviously that play against that backup tight end who just ran wild on a fourth and one play. And, you know, Zach was fine. I mean, he completed 50% of his passes and he threw for like 300 whatever yards, 318 yards. It just was a little uninspiring. They still had a chance to win. So there's two games left. The Jets control their own destiny, assuming New England loses one game, which 
is no guarantee because now Miami doesn't have two or at least for week 17. And then there's a chance that if Buffalo beats uh, Cincinnati on Monday, that um, they will be, you know, locked into a playoff spot with no position to move up. But the hope is, you know, Miami wins and then New England's mathematically out and then the Jets win, which keeps us alive. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you want to hope that Jets just win the next two games and you would hope maybe Buffalo will, even if they're not rested as hard as they could beat, a, you know, a crummy New England team. So the Jets don't completely control their own destiny, but it's like a 93% chance that if they win out, they get to the playoffs. Mike White gives them the best opportunity to do that. I, I tweeted this actually as soon as he was cleared, maybe like an hour after. I still think, even though Salad did not confirm this, he confirmed that Flacco was the backup. I think that Strebler should be the backup. Or if he's not the backup, at the very least, be active on game days no matter what. Reason being, he brings a dynamic to this offense, especially if they're getting lethargic at times, where he can, you know, do the things that Taysom Hill does, whether it's, you know, direct snaps, take off, you know, the opportunity to throw the ball, you know, line Mike White off as a receiver to try to do some trick plays. We know he could catch. He caught that ball against the Bengals last year, which was one of the most fun plays we've seen, you know, the Jets do in quite some time. Um, to me, that's a no-brainer. I think you should definitely use him for his skill set, not necessarily make him the actual quarterback, but he should be part of the offensive game plan. And I would think that they're probably going to do that, especially with how effective he was, you know, as a runner against the Jaguars. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of roster gymnastics to make sure you have enough healthy bodies and areas of need. Jets offensive lines banged up, secondary is a little bit banged up. So I can understand if they don't feel that that roster spot is needed. I just don't want to see Joe Flacco play. Like at least if Strebler's out there, even though he's a very limited thrower, he could do things with his legs and it would make it a lot more fun. So that those are a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, this is a huge matchup. You're going out west, two games on the road remain. It's always difficult to beat Seattle in Seattle. It doesn't matter if they're reeling. They've lost five of six. I think they've also lost four in a row. I might be wrong. It could be five. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't been great for them either. They're a team like the Jets that got off to a fast start. And it seems that a lot of things haven't been working out in their favor. They've lost some close games. They've gotten blown out a couple of times. Um, they do have some injuries, Tyler Lockett specifically. Um, he's obviously one of their best offensive players. Kenneth Walker has been kind of banged up. I, I assume he's going to play because he's been on the injury report the last two weeks, but he's and ended up suiting up, but he hasn't really been the same guy that he was earlier in the year. Uh, Lockett didn't practice yesterday, even though Pete Carroll said that he doesn't need the practice. He could play. He has been on the team, I think for seven years. So I can understand he knows the system, but if it's only Lockett, I mean, if it's only DK Metcalf as a receiver and Marquise Goodwin also hurt, he hurt his re-injured his wrist against Kansas city. It's a pretty easy, you know, game plan defensively for the Jets. You make sure that DK Metcalf is not beating you. You contain the run and you make Gino try to beat you with other guys. He's been you know, not playing the way he was. And as someone who is a West Virginia alumni and obviously a Jets fan, I've had a you know deep admiration for Geno Smith. I was disappointed it didn't work out. And I'm really happy to see him get this, have the success that he's having in the second opportunity with Seattle. But on Sunday, it doesn't matter. I'm rooting against them. Uh, and I think the, the book might be out on him. I think defenses are seeing really what makes him uncomfortable. And if you make Geno uncomfortable, he's prone to throw some interceptions. I know he only has nine this year and he has 27 touchdowns, which is outstanding. He's completing 70% of his passes, which I believe is the league lead, but 
he can make those mistakes. And their offensive line is not, you know, this elite line. So the Jets defensive line, now that it, you know, we have all of our bodies back, should be able to operate the way that we saw earlier this season. So they do match up really well. I really need to see the run game look like what it did um, against the Bears, um, even against the Vikings. I just think that there's just so much meat on the bone for this offense, especially that now that Zach Wilson is not in the lineup. And I think that you need to have Ty Johnson worked in. I know it's a crazy thought to say, but he's been actually pretty good this year when he's been given opportunity. I understand James Robinson hasn't worked out and that's fine. It was like a fifth round pick that we got for Blake Cashman, who really wasn't much of a player either. So, you know, you win some, you lose some, but I want to see all three backs rotated. I don't think Zonovan has an issue. I know he was playing a little bit nicked up last week, but I think the fact Zach was unable to move the ball is why, you know, Zonovan wasn't able to really do anything with opportunities because Jackson was like, all right, we're going to force you to throw. So we're going to stack the box a lot. I do think um, he's going to look much better this week. I think Michael Carter is going to bounce back. I think Michael Carter's finally somewhat healthy. I think he didn't look right when they first brought him back from injury. And I think now that he is back um, and I think he's a healthier guy, I think that they're going to get him more involved with some of those dump off plays that we've been used to seeing, especially in 2021. But I think the Jets are going to run the ball really effectively. I think they're going to be very balanced on offense. I want to see more opportunities for Zama and less for Conklin. I think every time Uzama's gotten the ball, he's done some really good things. And I think they need to you know, continue that approach. Um, I do think that Barrios, if he has another blunder on specials, should be benched. It's really unfortunate what's happened to Barrios. It almost seems like it's a mental thing at this point, because last year he was outstanding as a kick and punt returner, and he was even good on offense. It just seems like something hasn't clicked. I don't know what it is, but he's been terrible and it sucks because he's a fan favorite. We all wanted him back. And, you know, hindsight's 2020. It doesn't look like it was a good idea to bring him back. If he does, you know, either misfield the punt, he fumbles or, you know, he's just not catching the ball, bench him. It's fine. You're probably going to get Denzel Mims back this week as well. And that should at least help in the run game for blocking and also just giving you a bigger body in case, you know, Corey's not looking like himself, which it seems like he really hasn't all year. And he is a prime cut candidate, I think, in the offseason based on his salary and just lack of availability because he's missed time in both seasons he's been here. I, I do like him as a player, but it's very hot and cold. And availability is something that's important, you know, in the NFL and really any sport in general. So I'm interested to see what kind of game plan that LaFleur, you know, cooks up, as we like to say, because he does cook well when he's up in that booth. Um but yeah, I think the Jets really have a good opportunity, you know, in front of them. I think, you know, provided they, you know, score some points and don't look, you know, terrible in the red zone like they did against Minnesota going one for six, they got a good shot here. And, you know, I, I really do think that we're going to feel really good about this team, you know, at seven o'clock on Sunday night because they're a better team than Seattle. Seattle may have a, a quarterback with a better track record, better season right now, but Mike White is good. It's it's crazy to think, but he is good. And I, I mentioned this earlier, you know, in the pod. I think he has a really big opportunity. I know he won't. He'll dismiss this all he wants to play his way to be the Jets starter next year, and maybe you know for the next three to four years. And as a Jets fan, that would be great. Why wouldn't you want Mike White to be your quarterback long term? It means, number one, you finally found somebody. Number two, you don't have to take any assets that we have to acquire a quarterback. And you also don't need to necessarily pay him 
you know, what a guy like, um, like Jared Goff's making like 33, $34 million a year, you could probably get him between, you know, 15 and 20, which is so much more reasonable for a quarterback in this day and age compared to guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes makes like $50 million a year, Josh Allen, or whoever it may be. Joe Burrow is going to get a contract like that at the, uh, at the end of the season. So this could be really the beginning of something. I, I know there's some parallels to 2002. Um, that would be great. Parallels to 2009, which, you know, is really fun as a fan to see a team that you thought was very much out of it all of a sudden have this life and went all the way to the AFC championship game. Listen, once you get into the big dance, anything's possible. It doesn't, I'm not saying the Jets are going to go on this magic carpet ride. It's, you know, probably unrealistic for me to say, but if you're given this opportunity, anything can happen. Anybody could beat on any given Sunday. The Jets have shown they could beat Buffalo. I mean, it was in, you know, MetLife stadium, not in Orchard park, but they did go toe to toe with them at Orchard park. So I, I just want to see this opportunity. I want them to end on a high note. It's been really rough the last four games. And, you know, you have an opportunity to not only make the playoffs, have a winning record, and, you know, even potentially win a playoff game, depending on who the opponent is. I mean, if you're playing, you know, let's say Jacksonville, why not? I, I don't think it would be Jacksonville. It probably would be Kansas City. But, like, if some sort of thing happened where, you know, you could go there, <laughs> it would be pretty cool. But it probably would be Kansas City if they were getting to the seventh seed. But Anything's possible. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I'm super excited for this game. And as Steve and I always do at the end of every episode, we do our game picks. So I'm going to pick the Jets to win 24 17. I think Mike White has a really nice bounce back performance, you know, after, you know, losing two straight starts and being hurt. I think he's going to go throw for 300 yards. I think 100 of those are going to go to Garrett Wilson. I think he's going to throw three, I mean, two touchdowns. And I think uh, Bam Knight will also score a touchdown on the ground. And I think Elijah also scores. I think they're going to get some pressure on Geno Smith. I think they're going to force some turnovers, whether it be interceptions or fumbles. I just think they're so due for this bounce back game. And I feel really good about it. And listen, the second Mike White got cleared, Vegas made the Jets a two and a half point favorite on the road. I couldn't tell you the last time the Jets were a favorite on the road, especially this late in the season when they're playing an actual competent opponent. They're not playing, you know, the Texans or whoever it may be. So I like the Jets 24-17. I think, you know, we're going to feel really good. And listen, we said this for months. It always felt like it was going to come down to winning your end in Miami. And that's all we could ask for. We got the meaningful football in December. Now we're, we're actually going to get meaningful football on January 1st, 2023, which means they've actually surpassed expectations. And, you know, winning winning record playoffs on the table. So when you have an opportunity in front of you, you got to take advantage of it. It's as simple as that. Uh, before we go, uh, just wanted to say thanks to everyone who's listened all year. It's been awesome getting this feed up and running. I know last year we were on the, uh, TOJ pod feed with Will. Uh, he's doing a great job. Make sure you subscribe to that feed to get his pod. I know he's had a couple of good guests from the Seahawks beat this week. You're also get your draft season fixed with the guys talking about the 2023 draft offensive line is a huge need. I'm sure they'll be talking about that potentially safety and even inside linebacker as well. Um, but also we do appreciate anybody who supports this podcast, whether it be on YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, just please subscribe, like, comment, rate, review, anything, you know, it goes a long way to the success of the show. Um, so if you want to find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash turn the jets TV, and then on Apple or Spotify, just search turn the jets live it should show up. 
Um, and last but certainly not least, uh, make sure if you have not already, and I feel like I've said this so many times, if you've listened to the show, become a Badlands subscriber on Patreon. It's the best premium Jets content you're going to get anywhere. Joe and Connor do an outstanding job. I know they have some really cool stuff in store for 2023. Um, but yeah, it's my, my favorite Jets podcast out there. Um, good written stuff. I contribute as well. I know, you know, it's they're they're really trying to you know, give Jeff fans, you know, the best stuff for them to read, to listen to, to watch the film breakdowns of Connor outstanding as well. So check it out. $5 a month. It's the best, you know, $5 you'll spend on anything Jets uh, that I could, that I could promise. I mean, everybody has different opinions. Um, So I appreciate you for listening. Hopefully you guys like this. Uh, Typically it won't be me alone, but uh, we will talk to you next week.